What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me tell you about Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest way to play fantasy football this season. Just draft. No need to worry about waivers, lineups, or injuries. Underdog Fantasy handles it all for you. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft a season-long best ball team, and that's it. No in-season management. You can even bring over your home league over to underdogfantasy.com. You get $25 upon sign-up, so you can take a free shot at a million-dollar grand prize for their fantasy football tournament. Again, you get $25 free in bonus cash when you use the code 5RSN to sign up. It has never been easier to take a shot at a million-dollar prize in their best ball mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com, the App Store, or Google Play Store, use the promo code 5RSN, and get $25 in bonus cash. Sign up today you break wheel fix is a wheel repair and remanufacturing company with over 20 years of experience they specialize in complete wheel repair repairing wheels from curb rash bends and cracks they also specialize in refinishing from polishing machining and custom colors that will suit your car's needs lastly you break wheel fix offers a full array of factory and custom wheel and tire applications contact them at 305-748-0112 that's 305-748-0112 or at you break wheel fix on all social platforms this show is brought to you by lewis peters state farm agency representing the number one auto and home insurer in the united states for more than 60 years combined experience in the insurance industry local agents that understand south florida's unique market you have access to them 24 7 walk in call in click in through lewispeters.com you can find them online on social media at SF Agent Peters, or you can call at 305-275-5585. Remember, lewispeters.com. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carrot. I'm Alfredo Artiaga. 
I have Simon Clancy here with me. And in the second half of the show, we will have Chris Kaufman. As always, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order. Simon, how are you? Good. How are you? Great. Um, I've been telling the our listeners that you haven't been well. You want to give them an update? Yeah, I'm kind of back to being at home, having had a exploding, um, I can't think what the word is. Um, appendix? What is that? Appendix, there you go. I had a burst appendix. So I spent a week in hospital, I had three and a half hours of surgery, so that was fun. Um, but yeah, back home now and just minding my stitches. I have three puncture holes in my stomach, which is bliss. Um, so yeah. Yeah, but at least you got to watch the Dolphins play, you know, near you. Uh, yeah. I don't know how close you are to – where did they play? They played they play at Hotspur Stadium? Yeah, 165 miles. <laughs> so at least you got to see them play, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> I have to schlep all the way down to London to see that mess, so. Yeah, I don't think – look, I don't uh, – if Chris wants to talk about it, great. I don't even want to talk about the game. If you want to talk about it briefly, if you want to talk about, look, let's make, let's do this. I want to talk about another thing, but if you want to do a minute or two minutes, um, what you thought of the game, your critiques, where it went wrong, etc., you can go ahead right now if you want. Okay. I think where it went wrong is the offensive inconsistency. If you look, go back to that New England game, you look at the first drive of the game. First drive of the game was outstanding. Move the ball down the field, boom, 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 boom. Same against Jacksonville, exactly the same. And then there just is not enough consistency of the offense, whether that's the play call, whether that's the running game, whether that's the offensive line, whether that's the quarterback. You know, and, and it flips in and out, and you have the odd drive here and there, but it looks like a completely different team on the second, third, fifth, ninth possession that it did on the first, and they have to fix that. And that was an issue against Jacksonville. The game should have been put away by the end of the by the middle of the second quarter. It should have been game over. Mm-hmm. Um, we let Jacksonville hang around and hang around and hang around. You make bad coaching decisions, you know, which impact the game. You know, the, the, the fourth down call at the end was why take the ball out of Tua's hands? Why, when you need to move the ball, the length of the football, are you then setting up in shotgun? Why are you running the ball with a, with a running back whose career history is littered with an inability to convert on fourth down or on to convert first downs in those situations? I think he's only 33% career. Um, and picking up first downs in those third and fourth and ones, Malcolm Brown. Why are you doing that? You know, you run so many, you know, funnel screens or or, or stick routes to, to Jalen Waddle. You know, he's got so much speed. Surely that's one of the rules in the team. You know, the inability to use Jalen Waddle, they have no understanding of how to use Jalen Waddle. You know, 10 catches, 12 targets, 70 yards, 7 yards a catch. You know, you go back to the Vegas game, 12 catches, 4.8 yards per average. Jamar Chase, Averaging 20 yards of reception on 19.8 yards of reception. You know, Jalen Waddle has one play over 30 yards, 36 yarder in game one against New England. Jamal Chase has, I think, nine plays over over 30 yards. I think he has mm-hmm. two over two over 60, four over 50. Um, you know, they, they have no understanding of how to use the the whole idea of Jalen Waddle in this Miami offense is predicated on the fact that he will catch the ball and then he will use his athletic ability or his speed to beat a man. That is what it's, it comes down to. They do not put him in a position to win. And ultimately, that's what the team does wrong. They do not put... The team never puts its best players in a position to win games. You look at 
Yeah, Mike Gesicki had, what, seven catches for 110 yards or something like that? Eight for 115. Okay, he was on the field for nine less plays than Durham Smythe. So that to me just boggles my mind. You know, I would understand that if we ran the ball 40 times, but we didn't. You know, we barely ran the ball at all, two or three or 45 times or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think bad coaching, inconsistency, the defence is terrible. You know, what's supposed to be the strength of this team, the secondary has become a huge weakness. Um, and that's not a criticism of the players that played yesterday. You know, because Xavier Howe and Byron Jones share that responsibility as well. But the strength has become a weakness. Javon Holland is really the only player who's playing at any decent level. Eric Rowe is not having a great season. Um, Justin Coleman hasn't played particularly well. For some reason, they don't seem, you know, Nick Needham to me should be, you know, you'd expect more in terms of what they're doing with Nick Needham because he's a good player. I thought Noah Ibanogane played pretty well. You know, people talk about the touchdown to, to, to Allen. I mean, you can't put the ball any better than Trevor Lawrence put it, you know. Ibanogane was in perfect coverage. Um, you know, I think they, they play off too much. You know, they, I don't understand why they don't play man in terms of oh, they play off man. I don't understand why they don't press man. Yeah, they played they played off man until they got nervous about losing the game, and then they just started sending blitz after blitz after yeah. blitz. And Trevor Lawrence looked like he, was, he looked like a chicken with, with his head cut off in that in that fourth quarter, running for his life. You know, maybe they should have done that from the first quarter. <laughs> so, Brandon, Brandon and the game would have been had, in the bag by then. Yeah, Brandon Jones had two sacks against the Raiders on blitzes. You know, he's had a very effective blitz. It has been since he's been in Miami. I don't think I've seen him blitz since since the Vegas game. It's just like I don't understand the inconsistency of play calling, the inconsistency of coaching. You know, people talk about I don't know what you want to go on to talk about, but I, maybe it's the future of the, the coaching staff and the GM. And if so, then we can we can leave it. But um, you know, that is a huge issue, which I'm sure we'll get onto. Um, but I don't think anything is coming down the pipe. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was the, look. You go through the unit by unit. You know, the running backs, we always knew was going to be an issue, and they've been an issue. The offensive line, we always knew were going to be an issue, and they've been a huge issue. Quarterback played pretty well yesterday. You know, giving his credit, I thought he played well. You know, he missed a couple of throws. Um, the interception was horrendous, but he bounced back with a 91-yard drive. Um, there's a very weird narrative around Tua that I find quite uncomfortable. And I'm not sure it's about race, or I don't know what it's about, but, you know, but that's, that's probably for another day. Well, we'll I, I, determined, I determined yesterday it's either racists or idiots. And that's all it can be because you cannot watch, you cannot watch that kid play quarterback yesterday, and come away saying, "Oh, he's he's shit," or "He's terrible." Like, no like has been said by some media members with little blue check marks next to their names. He wasn't the reason that we lost yesterday at all. What I found quite interesting was Peter had they King, won, right? had they won, he would have been probably the only reason they won. Yeah. Peter King, <laughs> him and Peter King came out today and said, "You know." New England have got their quarterback in Mac Jones and and then said, you know, was asked, well, why do you say that about Mac Jones, but you won't say the same about Tua? And I think it's a very weird, it's a very weird narrative. I don't I don't understand what it is. I don't understand why the kid gets such a hard time. You know, well, I've been over this, you know, in mediocre at times performances. Yeah, and especially and, and I don't understand it, especially coming off of yesterday. Mac Jones yesterday was absolute dog shit. His numbers are only made better because he floated one over the middle where Trevon Diggs, you know, God bless Trevon Diggs because he's putting in, I don't know if you're watching the season he has. Yeah. He has an interception in every game this year and two yeah. pick sixes. 
but he's also yeah. on pace for giving up the most yards ever given up by a cornerback yeah. since the recorded stat. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I don't think Matt Jones was dog shit yesterday. I thought he played pretty well. Um, well, until he had completed that seventy-five yard pass, okay, which inexplicably did not get intercepted. He had an intercepted yeah. an, an interception and a and a fumble, and he had one hundred and twenty yards passing. Yeah, that's not good. Bad. No, but it, not everything is based on numbers, though, is it? It's not. You know, it's not always about the numbers. You know, if you look at the game, you know, New England were running the ball really well. It's you know, he is a game manager at the moment. And that's you know, he he is putting New England in positions to win games. I think that's the most important thing. You, know, you go back and look at the fun move from Damian Harris in week one. There were some bad play calls by the Patriots yesterday. You know, they could have won that game. So yeah, but and Matt Jones aside, it's another issue. But you go go back to the Dolphins. You know, we talk about the running game. We knew was was going to be bad, and it is the offensive line. We knew was going to be bad, and it's probably worse. You know, the receivers were kind of a strength, but I was always concerned that we were essentially putting all our eggs into the baskets of Devontae Parker, who's never healthy, Will Fuller, who's never healthy, Preston Williams, who's never healthy, and guess what? They're, they're never healthy. You know, you can't rely on them. Yeah. They're never available. Now, yeah, everything, that's, everything that could have gone wrong this year has gone wrong. Usually you expect half of the things to go wrong that could go wrong. This year, every single thing has gone yeah. wrong. Titans. Titans have been good. Titans have been good. Defense yeah, I guess we could, we could say that, yeah. Individually defended, individually the defensive line is playing pretty well. Jalen Phillips kind of getting it a bit more. Kristen Wilkins has been coming yeah, on all year. Wilkins. He has some good stats. You know, he leads the, the whole league. Butler playing well, but as a, as a they unit, they have good players. They just don't play as a unit all that great. They just can't stop the run. The, the linebackers are having a really down year. Yes, secondary, which is supposed to be the strength of the team, is it, it's having a down year. And then even the special teams. You know, Jason Sanders doesn't look half the player he was last year. You know, I think he's a trends kicker. Michael Pallardi is a real step back from Matt Hawk. Never yeah. understood that decision. He, you know, he's not a very good punter. Um, and the coaching's been really indifferent at, at best, really. So, um, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, not, not, to harp too much on, not to harp too much on that game, that New England. Did you see the game? The New England? Uh, it was on. I was watching Red Zone, so it was kind of flicking back between the Raiders and Broncos. And... Uh, it was a game It was a game worth watching just sitting down. And yeah. Not because I had a pretty large bet on the game <laughs> and got saved by by a, a very weird set of circumstances and, and the fabulous Dak Prescott and CeeDee <laughs> Lamb. <laughs> those two guys. Uh by the way, Dak Prescott, if he's not a top three quarterback, then what is a top three quarterback? Yeah, he's been outstanding. He, he looks absolutely great. But not to harp too much on this game and talk too much about it, but did you see what happened before the half when the Cowboys uh, were at the one-yard line? Oh, uh, with, with the touchdown that never was. Uh, yeah, the, I, asked, I asked on Twitter, if you score a touchdown and the referees don't acknowledge that you scored a yeah. touchdown, is it a touchdown? Yeah, exactly. The guy sneaks it, and I don't know if people have seen it or not, but he sneaks it on third down. He fumbled on fourth down. Okay, that's pretty clear because he tries to put the ball over, and I, I believe it was Bentley that lodged it, you know, dislodged it out of his hands. But he sneaks it on third down. The referee, it's obvious that he has a surge behind Zach Martin. The referees look at the pile of humanity, and the, at the bottom of the pile, laying in the end zone, hold, holding the football, is Dak Prescott. I'm pretty certain that's a touchdown. But yeah, the, the referee said, no, it's not a touchdown. Uh, what did you make of the, the, the two challenges, by the way, that uh, Brian Flores? Yeah, horrendous. I don't know who's, I don't know who's, um, who is telling him about the challenges. Um, and even the second one, you know, the second one, you could have, it, it kind of looked like it might have hit his finger, but 
for the sake of for the sake of what I mean was that 13 yards difference is it really worth it I mean yeah yeah exactly I didn't, I, I didn't agree with the first one the the second one the the you know the finger one that was kind of important because that's a touchdown yeah. is in the balance you know I just I don't know I just thought it was I don't know I thought Brian Flores was completely outcoached by Urban Meyer yeah <laughs> Simon Look, I've been following this team for a long time. This is what I wanted to talk to you about. And I guess we could do uh, the rest of this first half on this. Uh, I've been following this team for a very, very long time. And I've seen a lot of indignities <laughs> on a Sunday, okay? Some that have made me think, you know what? Maybe next week I'm just going to the beach. I'm going to lie on the beach with my wife and my daughter mm-hmm. and, you know, go enjoy a nice lunch, stare out at the ocean, and pretend that football doesn't exist for the day, Okay. I don't remember a Dolphin team being a bigger disappointment ever. And I mean ever. And I understand there's some 115 teams in there. Namely, there's one 115 team, which is pretty obvious. It was pretty bad. But that team was expected to be bad. And it looked bad. And it was injured bad. So it was, you know, had a horrendous coach in Ken Cameron. I don't remember a team. And, and, and I go back to the 80s with this team. I don't remember a team that's been a bigger Disappointment. They've lost three games as favorites, Simon. They've done nothing extraordinary. They haven't covered any of the games that they were not a favorite in. I guess you could say, okay, the Raider game. They covered the Raider game, but come on. That game was even, and then it was made uh, minus three for the Raiders because Tua was injured. Uh, They get murdered against Tampa Bay. They don't even put up a fight in the second half. The Buffalo Bills game was a runaway. You know, what have they accomplished? What have they done that's extraordinary? Beat a team by a point that they were basically favored by a point against in New England? Because that line only switched because of all the hype over Mac Jones. But in the preseason, Miami was actually a one-point favorite over the Patriots. They've been an unmitigated disaster this year and as disappointing a football team, uh, as disappointing a Miami Dolphin team as I can remember – to the point where I brought up the team encyclopedia, I have it right in front of me, and I'm looking year for year if I could remember a year that was more disappointing. I can't. Can you? To be honest, they all pale into one for me. Do you know what I mean? It's not like it, it, it feels like endless disappointment after endless disappointment after endless disappointment. It kind of it's been going on so long that I kind of I don't know. I sort of am immune to it now in a way. Like I wasn't really pissed off yesterday. I was like. Yeah, maybe five years ago, I'd have been really upset about it. But you kind of, I just expect it now, you know? I kind of expect that. I don't know, maybe I, 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 we know that, you know, I kind of expected this season to be pretty poor. I talked about it from the start when we first came back with a new series of podcasts. Um, you know, I, I probably didn't expect it to be this poor. But the expectation that all of a sudden, eight or ten really key players were just going to have to turn from anything ranging from very average to sort of slightly above mediocre was suddenly going to become kind of all pro level players and turn the ship around. It was just never going to happen. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, mate. I just, um, I'm kind of, I'm not past caring because I do care, but I, I, I'm just indifferent to it now. I think it's just become so, I'm so inured to the mediocrity, to the not being important, to the not being relevant, to the not, 
you know, were kind of a national joke and have been for years. Um, and people talk about, oh, there's Patriots bias or Packers bias or Steelers bias. Or, but these teams are relevant. They've done things. They've got relevant players. We don't have relevant players. We don't have relevant coach. We don't have relevant ownership. We don't have relevant GM. And the most relevant thing we did was tear it down. We managed to fuck that all up. Do you know what I mean? We became a we became a mouthpiece for the, for the for the talking heads in the media and for the fans and the informed fans. We became relevant. And, yeah, and, if, and if, we became as as quickly irrelevant as we did become relevant because we just managed to fuck it all up. Um, and that's that's the situation that we find ourselves in. So for me, Sundays are, you know. I know what's going to happen. If we win, it's a surprise and it's a pleasant surprise, but I just don't let myself get too up or down because I just don't see the point after 37 years. There's just no point because if nothing, you know, if any of us think that within the next five years, the Dolphins are suddenly going to win a Super Bowl, I think we're all fucking kidding ourselves. So I don't see the point in getting, setting myself up for five more years of disappointment by getting, you know, heart attack, pissed off every Sunday at, you know, nine o'clock PM when we end up losing a game, getting blown out, you know, losing a last minute field goal. The 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 excessive disappointment, I can't let it affect me anymore. Do you know what I mean? It just, you know, it doesn't mean my fandom is any less great than it ever has been. I just I, I think I've just learned to deal with the, the mediocrity because I know it's coming. Yeah. And it's been uh you know it's every every great franchise has had their their time in in the wilderness, uh, Packers were completely irrelevant for twenty years. Uh, even the Cowboys, the, this la- latest uh, this latest version of the Dallas Cowboys. Before then, there was a lot of years there were a lot of lean years. In fact, there was an eighteen year period where there were exactly five hundred. Okay, in that time, Miami was about eight or nine or ten games under five hundred as well. So you know, you're talking about a lot of the greatest franchises, maybe the Steelers are the only one because I can remember in the early eighties, they were still relevant. And then in the nineties, they had a really good running game. They made a lot of playoff games uh, with Bill Cowher. The Steelers are the only one that has been completely relevant for 40 years straight. Everybody else has their lulls. Miami's is going into its 20th year of abject. uh, It's poverty. (laughs) That's what it is. Okay, I have the numbers here. Dolphins were the most winningest franchise in the his in 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 the sport. Okay, since 1960 in 2003. Since then, they've dropped to sixth. You know what kind of a precipitative, uh, you know how bad you have to be for 20 years to go from first to sixth in a span of 17 years. Yeah, as bad as we've been. As bad as as bad as we have been. And yeah, they, they only managed to surprise us every. You can almost—it's clockwork. Every four years, they pop up with a ten and six and make the playoffs, or an eleven and five. But yeah, I don't—I don't, I can't remember. I can't remember a team as disappointing as this one. Uh, this team, there's just no redeeming. The only thing—the only thing that's worth watching for the rest of the season is the development of Tua Tonga Yeah, that's pretty much it. And I don't know what to make a, a Brian Flores. Um, do you forget how to coach from one year to the next? Uh, do you forget about clock management? I thought I, I was screaming at the TV and saying, you know, what are you doing? You have a third and 20. 
with 40 seconds left. You should call a timeout here. Make them think about what they're trying to do. And if you do that, then you you put the, the you put kind of the fear the fear of you know getting the ball at midfield against the Jaguars and then winning it after you know one completion and then a, a long Jason Sanders kick into the Jaguars. But no, that's not what you do. You allow them to use up all of the clock at the end of the game to set up an all or nothing play. I thought that was just horrendous clock management. The man has I don't know he's either way too aggressive. Or he's not too aggressive. And then he has a, a hot hand in Tua. Do you know that Tua was 10 of 12 for 117 yards and a touchdown going into that fourth and one? And he decides, you know what? Nah, I'm going to ride with Malcolm Brown here on an inside zone. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was very odd. But, but look, I, I think there are fundamental issues. People talk about, you know, will are there going to be firings? I think that's what people want to know. Right. There will be no firings at the moment. I don't think. I don't believe there will be. Who's it? Because who's out? Who's going to replace them? There's not a coach on the on the team that's going to come in and step up. You know, Josh Boyer, no. George Godsey, that'd be silly. Who else? You know, Gerard Alexander might be a good defensive coordinator in years to come, but who else? Let's be realistic. There's nobody on this coaching staff that is prepared enough to come in and take over the head coach. There's no there's no bye week for another seven weeks. You know, Chris Greer, maybe. He might get fired. He might be the sacrificial lamb. But all they're going to do is is promote is promote Marvin Allen or Reggie McKenzie. So what's the point? You're not gaining anything from doing it. So Florence will stay. I, I you know I don't think he deserves to be fired. But the the biggest red flag for me, the biggest concern for me, is the assistant coaching hires. You know, having three slash four offensive coordinators in in three years is ludicrous. I mean, it's really bad. And that is a massive red flag. Having the offensive line coach is a massive red flag. You know, the coaching issues. No, the, the, you can't look at any of these players and say they're getting better. They're not getting better. Which players have improved under these coaches? Who's gotten better? Mm. I can't think of a player that's got better through these coaches. Uh, Gasecki is the only one. Oh, and I but, think that's, yeah. that's something that he's done for himself, I think. I mean... You know, Mike Gusecki was always a good player at Penn State. You know, he was a good player at Penn State. He was a good player early at Miami. You know, he hasn't really changed that much. He gets open better, but he hasn't, you know, it's not like he's become an amazing blocker. So who's gotten better? You know, Christian Wilkins, but, yeah, I mean, Christian Wilkins is, is, is a very serviceable player. He's probably not a Pro Bowl player, but he's a, you know, he's a good player. Zach Sealer, maybe. But apart from that one player, has got better with this coaching staff. I mean, that's a pretty bad, that's a pretty damning indictment of, of this group. That to yeah. me, if I'm Stephen Ross, is the biggest concern. Who is what, who is picking these coaches and why? You know, the, who, the our offensive line coach was an assistant offensive line coach two years ago. Now he's a, you know, where is Bill Callahan? Where is, you know, somebody of that ilk? Because that's what this unit needs. Mm-hmm. You know but I think it's it's I think it's a personality issue with, with Flores. I, I really do. Uh, uh, think about it like this. First of all, uh, as far as who would get the job, it's almost certainly Marvin Allen as far as general manager. Remember, they paid him money not to take better jobs elsewhere. So why would he be, uh, come here to be a deputy? What, just money? No. It has to be because he was probably promised, you know, maybe you have a promotion coming to you very, very soon to general manager. So I think that Marvin Allen is most almost certainly going to become the general manager very soon. 
as far as coaches. Remember, Jim Caldwell was here for three days. We thought this was one of the greatest hires ever when they hired Jim Caldwell to be essentially the offensive football czar. And that's what this team needs, by the way. Brian Flores needs to be told, get away. That's your side of the building over there with the defense. Let me run the offense here and have a, an, an offensive coordinator that has some autonomy, that has some authority over who gets the snaps and who plays and what kind of offense they're going to run. Because Jim Caldwell was here for three days and all of a sudden he finds a health issue. But now he's a consultant all over the league. That, that stinks to me. I think I think that was Jim Caldwell coming in here and saying, maybe I don't want to work with this guy. Maybe I don't want to work for him. He seems like he's a hard guy to work for. And maybe you can't get a, you know, a sexy top-notch offensive coordinator with Brian Flores here because he won't cede any authority. You agree? Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It's just, um, I think the whole thing's a mess. It's, uh, you know, I don't look at a single aspect of this team and think there's anything that is going to change. You know, you look at, you know, we should have the second overall pick in the draft, which we'd probably spend on, you know, Evan Neal and Alabama. Mm. But we obviously traded that in one of the most ridiculous trades of all time. And we traded back up for a slot wide receiver who we don't know how to use. You know, it's true. It's a true fact. Yeah. You know, Jalen, look, people don't take this the wrong way. I like Jalen Model. He is clearly a very exciting player. He's clearly a very good player. He will not become the player that we think he's going to become under this coaching staff or under this coaching philosophy. You know, you only have to look at the way that the Giants use Kadarius Tony, look at the way the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill, look at the way that the Rams use Cooper Cup. That's how Jalen Waddle should be used. Yeah, and instead not. we use him, we use him like Hunter Renfro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that you makes know, no could, sense whatsoever to me. You know, you could have drafted with Sean Slater at six if you were intent on moving back up, and you could have drafted Rondell Moore in the second round, you know, because he's pulling up trees in Arizona, and Sean Slater looks like an all pro. So, you know, we're ultimately going to be judged against Tom Telesco. Tom Telesco will get Chris Greer fired, ultimately, because, you know, you've got a quarterback who, who looks like he's on the Hall of Fame trajectory already in Justin Herbert, and you've got a Rashawn Slater who looks like he's going to be an all-pro left tackle for 10 years. Tom Telesco's dealings in the draft, players that Miami could have had, are going to be the things that get Chris Greer fired as much as 2020 and the, the absolute disaster that that was. Yeah. Uh, I completely agree. I think at the end of the season, as Stephen Ross, if he is going to retain Flores, Flores, remember he has two more years left on his contract. Okay, he signed a five-year deal, so he has next season and the one after that. This is his third year of the deal. I think Stephen Ross is going to have a serious heart-to-heart with Flores. Maybe even give him the, the balance of the deal. Maybe tell him, "Look, you're going to be here for the five years, but for these next two, you're going to have to see the authority of the offense to." to an offensive coordinator that is agreeable to all, but that will have power, will have autonomy. Because there's way too much evidence to suggest that Flores is freaking out during games, grabbing play sheets. Uh, Yesterday, I don't know if you saw it, but he had a spat with Josh Boyer right before the last play. And I'm pretty certain that Josh Boyer wasn't saying, look, you know, we got to defend the end zone because a touchdown beats us here. I'm pretty certain he was talking about something else. And who knows if he was talking about defending the sticks on fourth and eight with five seconds left. Okay. And that was overlooked because I don't know if you looked at the coverage, it was cloud coverage. 
All right. Also, uh, who's who's saying to the players, "Don't just whatever you do, don't touch him." That would help now. too. That help as well. Although you know, it's unclear, and nobody wants to tell. Nobody wants to clarify this. Not the league. Not I sent an email today. Nobody. Nobody responded. Uh, not Flores. Not anybody. Uh, Dolphins say, or at least in that building, they say that the referees told him he gave himself up, and the the timeout was called from the sideline. It had nothing to do with anybody touching him. Because Flores was arguing on the sideline that time had ran out and that the clock was stopped for no reason. And the referee said, no, we, the clock was stopped on our signal because we got a timeout called from the sideline. So who knows about that? You know, who, who knows who was right and who was wrong on that? But that it was a huge failure? Absolutely. Because the coverage that they called was trying to, was essentially trying to defend any deep pass over the middle. That's what the that's what they they were trying to defend, and I don't know why you would try to defend that with five seconds. Five seconds, leave them the middle. You know, just put two deep back there. Don't allow don't allow anybody to go deep on you. But you got to come up and tackle if it's fourth and eight. But you got to defend the sticks. So I don't know. It was yet another failure in a long, long line, long list of failures this season. Well. In the second half of the show, we'll have Chris Kaufman. But first, these words. Sports betting season is in full force. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sportsbook industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BetUS.com. They have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. And you will receive a 125% sign-up bonus by using the bonus code 5. That's the word 5, F-I-V-E. They also have re-up and referral bonuses as well. Follow my lead and open an account with BetUS. You bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS. And we're back. And as promised, Chris Kaufman is here. And we're going to break down in great detail every single play of that of that Dolphins Jaguars game, right, Chris? Please don't. <laughs> I gave Simon the opportunity to just ramble on as much as he wanted about the game. He had some things to say. Uh, I had I have very few things to say as well. And then we get into a general discussion about the team in a historical context. So if you have something to say about the game. Get it out of the way right now. <laughs> no. Um, God, what is what is there to say about the game that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? Um, I it's it, uh, I, this one was particular. This one hit particularly hard, I think. And it's funny how um, how universal that is because um, because it, it seemed like it hit. It seemed like it hit. Brian Flores and the players particularly hard as well. And, um, and I thought, I mean, I I never expected this to be a blowout. Some people did. I I thought that this was going to be a hard fought game, but um, you know, that the way losing it, the way they did at the end, that was just uh, so, so deflating being one in five um, is so deflating. And, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, you, now you're looking at now you're looking at the the no possibility of really turning this around in any kind of meaningful way. 
mm-hmm. uh, for this year. That's probably why. That's probably why it's um, it, it's hitting people particularly hard. Is if they had won the game, you could still maintain a belief that there's a possibility of turning it around this season. Uh, yeah, as simple, unlikely, yes. unlikely, unlikely as it would be. But um, yeah, you simple know, you schedule. Could. Simple schedule. Watching had they won this game, you could see how they could claw back into it, and maybe by week mm-hmm. ten. Who knows? Maybe they're like a, yeah. a, a game out of the playoffs. And now we're talking about, hey, you know, and now it's a it's like a six game season it's a seven game season. Sure. We go four and two. We're in or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I and now it's just uh, now it seems like it's out. Uh, it seems like, uh, you know, it's time to it's time to, uh, you know, actually admit that the Dolphins are definitely one of the worst teams in the league. Um, and that there's not a reason, there's not much reason to believe that that's changing. Um, at this point, the uh, offensive line was still, you know, if if we think that we found our answer on the left side of the unit or at right tackle, um, you know, again, uh, <laughs> I I would I would disagree. Um, it was horrendous. Tua hit was, all was, of their all the warts, all of them. Yeah, he, he actually, it was, and this is where, you know, people are immediately, oh, well, they're going to trade, they, they better trade for Deshaun Watson now. And I'm just like, you know, okay, first off, people think, people think that Deshaun Watson can't be on a bet. Dude, he, he just played last year on a team that won, what, four games? Yes. Um, so, and, and, you know, he was having a decent year. And so, so yeah, Deshaun Watson's really, no, I don't think he is the answer. I think that, um, I think that if Deshaun Watson were here, he probably a wouldn't even want to play on this team. Um, you know, he'd probably just want to wait till next year and, um, and B, you know, even if he did, I'm not sure it makes much of a difference because, in this game, people are like, oh, but, you know, a guy of Deshaun Watson's ability makes that extra one or two plays again. I'm like, fuck off, because Tua actually had a good game. He doesn't always have a good game. Let's face it. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the game he had against New England was kind of so-so. Um, and uh, but this was not this was not that, you know, this was this was a, a legit good game for him. And it looks mm-hmm. better on review even than than in the initial um the initial viewing um so so no no it's not that deshaun watson would have won this game i i I have no idea about the rest of them you know nobody can predict the future but um you know everybody's first answer is always is always deshaun watson deshaun watson and it's like okay so we're gonna give up what is it now like five premium assets (laughs) yeah on a team that clearly needs an entirely new, you know, an entirely new answer on the offensive line almost. And um, a team that, you know, looks like, Hey, if that defense isn't working, then the core that is built around, or at least the most expensive parts on it with Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are probably out. Right. And, and so, and so that means you're going to need some assets to, to rebuild that. And, uh, and I, I don't know about the front seven, obviously it needs some work, but, um, but definitely you're going to have to, you're going to end up having to, to restart 
in the secondary with those uh, with those corners because they're probably out. They're not going to keep paying them that much, that kind of money and those kind of resources to just go out there and either not play or to play, you know, very disappointingly. Um, so there's that too. And then the wide receivers unit built with two injury prone players like Devonte Parker and Will Fuller, they're out. So basically mm-hmm. all you've got is Jalen Waddle. And so you've got to rebuild that unit. Um, you know, the, the running backs, you've got to, <laughs> you got to actually get somebody right there. Yeah. They, um, need a, they need a number one running back period. So, so, I mean, you have all these, all these things that you need before you can even try and field a competitive team again. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, we're just going to give away five premium assets for Deshaun Watson to play one or two plays better than Tua Tunga Vailoa, maybe is what, mm-hmm. what the argument was that I was seeing on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying fuck off about it because I'm, I'm not, I'm not getting an alleged, uh, you know, um, sexual abuser for, uh, for that. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was really discouraging. I walked out of it pretty, um, well, I went and got drunk sometime later. So that's, <laughs> well, not really drunk, drunk, but you know. yeah, no, I have my, not, my not on, not on your scale. <laughs> yeah. No, I have my sister. It was in the morning, you know, it was nine 30 in the morning. Yeah. So I made breakfast, you know, I have like a, like a flat top in the back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I made hash browns. I made some ham steaks. I made some bags. Mm-hmm. You know, and we had breakfast and we watched the game. And then after the game, I decided, you know what? I'm going to watch a couple of episodes of Ted Lasso to cool down a little nice. bit. <laughs> and then I'm going to go put a very large bet on the Dallas Cowboys minus three against the New England Patriots. And I'm going to sit down. I'm going to drink a thousand beers and I'm going to enjoy the hell out of that game. And that's yeah. exactly what I did. And it felt so good. It felt so good. that I didn't even care what was going on in the one o'clock games. In the one o'clock I games, just, I didn't give a shit. Okay, I just know, waited my for that only, my, only, my only, like you know, trying to consolation, like treat myself thing. Like I, I made myself a a damn big ribeye that, that night, just just to try and like cry away my my <laughs> sorrows uh, over a big hunk of meat. Um, but yeah, that, it was it was it was not a great way to start off the Sunday. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, just to finish up, I don't even want to talk about that game anymore. Uh, what can else? What else can be said? Okay, yeah, Brian well, Flores I'm, screwed the, up. The thing, yeah, the thing that that's it. The Brian Flores screwed up. Like this was, and credit, I don't know. And this credit really, to our listeners. This really we have really, we have really, really, really good listeners that really pay attention to everything that's going on. He needed to call timeout at third and twenty. He just needed to. There was forty-one seconds yeah. left. Yeah. You call time out there at third and 20, and now Urban Meyer and the brain trust over there on that sideline are thinking, wait a minute. If we don't get this, we could be mm-hmm. handing these people the football needing like 15 yards in like 10 right. seconds to kick a long field goal. And we know they have Jason Sanders that could hit from 55. So, yeah, maybe we got to start rethinking what we're doing here on third and 20. And maybe oh, we kill right. the half, you know? Yeah, I mean, there are several. There's there are several bits of uh, potential mismanagement that that come from the head coach, and um, and I think that that re- this game really brought that to the forefront. 
I think there's a lot of questions naturally about the the fourth down, um, you know, decision making. Um, it's just, uh, you know, oh, I got I got something on that too. You remember the the Raider game? The they ran that little uh, the sho- shovel pass to Gasecki on third and two or whatever. They got it the first idea. time, then they ran it again in overtime. Remember? Yeah, uh, yeah. on third and and three or whatever, and they didn't mm. get it. In this play, remember that they ran they ran the exact same play earlier in the yeah. game with Malcolm Brown inside, and got it. Inside zone, inside zone shotgun, I think, or something like, yes. something like that. Yeah, and got it. And then what did they do? They went right back to it again. And, of course, uh, the play was scouted well. And uh, Derm Smythe missed his block. I don't know if you watched the play again, but Derm Smith lets um, Josh Allen get inside of him. And Josh yeah. Allen just crashes down and destroys the play in the backfield, essentially. So, you know, uh, one thing that we, I guess we could touch on this to just put this game to bed, and then I want I wanted to get into my my other my other question was to put this thing this thing to bed. Uh, Tua and Mike Gusecki, uh they connected for four passes of twenty or more yards in that game. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked last three NFL seasons. That's three NFL seasons. This one and the past two. Can you tell me how many tight ends have done that? In one game? Yeah. Oh, I I wouldn't know. You know, maybe maybe just maybe just a couple. It's it's an extensive list. It's uh Travis oh, it Kelsey, is? Darren Waller. Okay, because I would have suspected Mike Travis Kelsey. That's the list. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. The well, there you go. <laughs> okay. So that that so that brings me to my first question, which is kind of related to this game. If these guys don't re-sign Mike Gasecki. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what time do we plan the riot? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's a fair question, but you I'm know, fearful. notice I mean, Simon, I'm Simon, really Simon fearful. pointed out though, Simon pointed out though, the Durham Smythe, uh, uh, he out snapped him, right? Yes, I mean, it was what, what was it's it like? Uh, it was 15, 59 to 45, 49 or something like that. Um, yeah. by the way, you know, I, it's I, just. I, I, uh, on on that note, on that fourth and one, Mike Gusecki hit his block. <laughs> yeah, well, that that's the damnedest thing. Sometimes it's like people, oh, he can't block, he can't block, and it's like, well, you know, whenever I watch him, he's usually actually, you know, he's he's often often actually hitting his block. Like, you know, he he doesn't have great blocking prowess. We know that, but um, you know, I pointed out at one point that when he's in the game. When he's in the game on two tight end format or two tight end personnel, you know they they run for they run for a decent average. And uh, when he's not in the game in two tight end personnel, they don't. <laughs> you know, so 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 you you tell me like everybody's like, oh well, he can't be in there because we're not going to succeed on runs. It's like, uh, you know, facts facts is facts. Uh, obviously they did succeed on runs when he's in there. And, and so you can't tell me that that's not, that's not possible because it's what happened. So, um, you know, I, I think, I think they're quite stupid about Mike Gesicki. They continue to be stupid about him. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's a little bit mind boggling because heading into, I think it was heading into last week's game against maybe the bucks. Um, He'd only played on something like sixty percent of the snaps, mm-hmm. and 
you know, when, when he's the best player on the offense and the only player on the team or the only player in the offense that could go to any other team in the NFL and still be considered one of their good players, one of their best players. Mm-hmm. Um, featured player. And, can you imagine that you know, guy with Aaron Rodgers? Jesus right. Christ. But I mean, seriously, like, and he's the only guy. He's the only guy in offense you could put on any other team out, just about any other team out there, and he'd be considered well, no, any team, because even if we were on a team with fucking Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, they'd all of a sudden be two tight end teams, right? You know, yep. <laughs> they'd be and he would be a featured guy. He'd be considered one of their best players. And um, and yet you play him on 60% of your snaps. Because you're just so convinced he can't block. Oh my god, you know, like, and and it's it's like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm looking at it, and it's like, well, you know, he did block that guy. He did block that, you know, and, and they just they just keep making it worse. They just keep making it worse with the play selection. Like when he's on the field, it's it's like ninety percent passing or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. um, especially depending on the personnel grouping, um, you know, it and it's like they're they're making it worse than it really is and that's the story of the season really i mean there's there's stuff that's bad on this team from personnel standpoint and we know it but they're making it worse than it is and that that's 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 it in a nutshell the whole year long they're they're just taking problems and making it work making them worse than they are because they're so scared of them and um and you know we just see it game after game after game and I think uh, he's a good example of it. Absolutely. And I, and speaking of making things worse, and I don't know if you want to touch on Tua any any bit, but I thought he was very good in the game. Uh, I thought he it was a some, good game. It was a he, good, genuinely good game. I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'd say it was a great performance, like, you know, like a, you know, a great performance no, was reserved great. for people like, for like yeah. Pat Mahomes and like, you know, sometimes Kyler Josh Allen Kyler Murray sometimes you know like some of these guys have great performance and they make those really big time plays and um and you know maybe we haven't seen Tua get loose for a bunch of that yet but um including in this game but it was a genuinely good above average you know upper tier performance of a quarterback uh in the NFL yeah, I characterize that like you know, there's great, and then right below great is very good, and I thought he was very good. Like you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. And the team go crazy it. over it. You you could tell that the team knew it. The mm-hmm. team, the team, like afterwards in their interviews and the coaches, you know, all you like, could tell that they all knew it. And I like how he handles himself. Uh, there was a couple of times where uh, Matt Collins was jawing with one of their guys, and he pulls him by the collar and brings him back into the huddle. You can see how yeah. he organizes the team. Notice how they don't have any stupid, you know, uh, you know, delay of game penalties, which they had plenty of with Jacoby Brissett. You know, mm-hmm. the team was just looks the team just looks organized with him in there, and I'm looking forward to evaluating him the rest of the year. And so I think so far so good. I think he keeps producing these type of efforts every single you know, week. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna win a few games, and I think he's gonna win the job going forward. Maybe I, we'll, I mean, we'll see because this, yeah. everything is so up in the air and such a goat fuck at this point. But, um, you know, it's funny is like speaking of, you know, we always make fun of the PFF grades. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the second highest graded player on the offense was. I'm guessing it was Jacoby Brissett. Seathan Carter. <laughs> the dude that ruined one of the drives. 
you know how uh, yeah let me exp- uh, i'm gonna he only played this. four snaps by the way look uh, let me say and this. one of them one, one of them he ruined a drive and he let was me say this. i like i like Ethan carter because i like the way he plays football uh, he's a physical blocker I, I could see where they were going with it when they signed him that mm-hmm. holding penalty was a killer a it killer it Absolutely. essentially erases seven points off the board yeah did <laughs> okay all right, and you, you know, know Albert Wilson. At the I mean, one? He's, it, it was bad. It was bad. The season Carter thing. It was bad. But you know, Albert Wilson, in his own way, I mean, it it is astonishing to me that Albert Wilson can so consistently botch every single opportunity that they've given him this year. Mm-hmm. Um, after having had, you know, what all agreed was a phenomenal two week stretch in, in training camp. Mm. Um, and, and just like, you know, and, and you have to, you have to hand it to him. He, he's the new J.R. Tolver, you know, he's the new, he's the new Darius Thompson. He's the new training camp hero that, um, that was just absolutely garbage uh, when, when it came to real time football and, um, and at this point, I don't know how he still has a job. I mean, they, they already, they already ditched, uh, you know, Jakeem Grant. I, I think this guy has got to be next at this point. Um, there is nothing. I don't. I, I'm. I struggle to think of a single positive thing he's done for the football team this year. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. And it's it's just like, okay, well then you're wasting space because we got to see what Kirk Merritt has, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, we. We talked about Seathan Carter. Uh so all the all the luminaries of that of that game. But uh this is the question I wanted to ask you. I went back and I started looking through like, you know, there because I go back with this team way back to like to the eighties, right? I'm old. Okay. What do you want from me? But I go back with this team. I don't remember a more disappointing team ever. Because there's been bad teams, but you go into it and you're like, you know what? I don't know this looks like eight and eight to me and if they win nine i get excited but this is a bad team and then there's other teams like you know the, the 2019 team you looked at that and you're like okay this is shit and then of course you had that that 2000 that cam cameron team that went one and 15 and you look at it after four weeks then everybody is injured and you're looking at it and you're like wait a minute they have seven defensive players out now they're on their fourth quarterback yes we're headed for for you know rough waters here and we're headed for disaster this team has lost three games as favorites i consider the raider game another disappointment because in the preseason it was even which means that they were favored they lose that one and the preseason they were favored by one point against new england then it switched because of all the mac jones hype and okay fine you win that one by a point so i guess that's your your one external extraordinary accomplishment this year is yeah. they can reverse a, a line by a point against New England, but you're going to lose three times as a favorite. And it's gotten so bad that Miami, to start in the preseason, was a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this spot next week against the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, And it's turned to where the Falcons are now a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Mm. I don't remember a Dolphin team that has been a bigger disappointment than this one. Can you? 
Uh, well, to me, the um, the the one in fifteen team still um, still captures that for me because I think heading into that year, there was a you know a narrative right or wrong that um, you know Dom Capers Dom Capers has got this on the defense, and so basically. Cam Cameron is here. Like we all, we all could kind of tell that Cam Cameron had like zilch as far as like leadership um, qualities mm. uh, as a head coach. But it was like, well, that's not what we need, though. What we need is, what we need is an offensive guru, you know, because Dom yeah. Capers has this on the defense, and they signed Trent um, Green. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like so. Yeah, I mean, I think that there was there was there was a lot. There's people that actually believe that the team was going to be good that year, and then they came uh, a hair away from going winless, and that is that is that is special as far as being disappointing. Like you know, some people even saying ten and six. And then you go one and 15 and you're like a hair away from zero and 16. I mean, that's, that is some shit right there. Um, yeah. I, I, I remember think... that season. They opened that season against uh, the Washington at the time they were called the Redskins, Washington yeah. football team. And I remember one of the first opening drives, they got down there at the four, uh, it was fourth and two. And they said, fuck you. We're going for it. And I'm like, man, this game Cameron is something else. Right. And mm-hmm. they threw a pass to Jason Taylor and they got it. And I'm like, Whoa, he's a genius. He really is a genius. They lose in overtime, and then it was just a disaster. Yeah. Week. Two. Well, I mean, we didn't we didn't know. I mean, you know, I I have a very clear memory of uh, after that game too. Um, of like, you know, we didn't know yet that we're that this is what we were looking at. That we were looking. We didn't at know this, that there was a, a leak in the boat. <laughs> but somebody, somebody, there was, a, there was an ice. Somebody out there. did. Somebody did though, and oh, really? I distinctly remember after that game simon jumping on the internet and being like i am absolutely flabbergasted at how bad this team looks and this is not going to get better this is this is just going to get worse and um and we're all like what i mean we just barely lost so what you know this is like no he's like no no this was this is a bad team like a really bad team and they were <laughs> you know they were a really bad team i, yeah. I always give him credit for that i mean he's, yeah. i will never forget yeah. that through through five weeks ronnie brown was an mvp candidate and headed for like 2500 oh definitely yeah remember? i mean he, yeah like he had like a thousand yards i remember he had a thousand yards all-purpose yards from scrimmage i think it was i want to say it was seven games yeah something um, like that yeah yeah, like in the first seven games of the, the year, like um, and he had like a thousand all purpose. I mean, he was he was I mean, he was something like if you remember at the time and Darren McFadden was a pretty big um pretty big player. Um uh, yeah, look, I'm I'm looking at it right now. Ronnie Ronnie Brown, he had six hundred and two rushing yards and three hundred and eighty nine receiving yards, and it was uh through seven games. And nice. so nearly, nearly a thousand all purpose in seven games. And, um, yeah, he was, he was definitely looking like, yeah, you know, I brought this up earlier because it's like at that time, 
you know, Ronnie Brown's looking like an all pro. And this is, keep in mind, this is uh, 2007, right? Yeah. Um, and at that time, I mean, Aaron Rodgers hadn't even started a game yet. And, uh, and so at that time, you just said, you know, Ronnie Brown, we definitely took the right guy at number two overall. We're better yeah, we have a star. Then, yeah, then of course, star. he blows out his knee for the second time in his career. Yeah, and, and Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, like, you know, because it, he hadn't even played much in the first three, those first three years. But, like, but there were already doubts all over the place, like nationally and in Green Bay. You know, they went ahead and drafted Brian Brom. In the, in the second round and um and everybody's like you know i don't know about this aaron Rodgers guy he's you know he's they're all really from from louisville yeah so good he was so that's good. that's your that's your history lesson lesson as far as like you know making early you know early conclusions or conclusions about guys early in their career you know yeah that's, and by the way uh you know um Brian Flores at his uh, press conference today, he might as well, he might as well said there are no icebergs out there. This boat is unsinkable that he should have just said that into the microphone today, because he said the dreaded, we have to stick together line. Mm. Whenever you hear that, you know, hamstrings get a little tighter ankles get inflated. Like I, like, you know, I, I don't know anything about Byron Jones or Xavier Howard right now, but I could, I'm pretty certain that their hamstrings are really tight right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about Byron or maybe Byron, who knows, but, um, but I, I, I have a very strong feeling that Xavier Howard is going to somehow find himself on IR. <laughs> yes. And Wolf Fuller's like is contemplating like, well, you know, I, I need a contract. Like maybe do I go, become a looter in a riot here or he might just know. he might just retire <laughs> yeah like i'm i'm dying to see what I, how this team responds and how this team responds i think is the way forward with brian flores i really do believe so i think i don't know it is do you think it's possible that and i guess we could finish right here do you think it's possible that the Stephen ross at the end of the season is possible can possibly fire brian flores what would have to happen? Or do you think that he might stick it out? Because he's never stuck it out. Like, if you look, th- look through his his tenure, at three years, if it goes tits up, he fires somebody. Yeah. Um, I'm conflicted on this because, I, you know, I have somebody that was, that was very right um, on exactly this question uh, with respect to Adam Gase. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, where, where everybody else was like, no, this is, this is absurd. I mean, yeah, I, I think, cause remember Adam Gase, you know, went in 10 and six and, and um, had gotten us to the playoffs and, uh, and then they were disappointing the next year, but it was like, well, yeah, but that's Ryan Tannehill getting injured. You know, that's what that was. Yeah. And, um, and, but like somebody, somebody's over there telling me, it's like, listen, you know, plugged in with ownership and everything. Listen, he's not safe. <laughs> he's not, he's really not safe, and uh, he was yeah. not. I remember the and, following um, year. The following year, they went three and zero to start the season. Tannehill got hurt in Cincinnati. Remember? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he got hurt for the second year in a row. And then it was there was a drumbeat all year. Like, yeah, he's getting fired. Yeah, and and you know, it was just it turned in the middle of a season. 
So, you know, I guess, yeah. you know, Adam Adam Gase got three years, but he did it in reverse. His team got worse. Well, so, so anyway, I'm, I'm, what I'm hearing is, you know, no, he's not safe. No, he's not. He's really not. And it's, a, it is a little, it is a little surprising because last two years, legit, you know, we were all like, oh, Brian Flores is one of the better coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, there's just so many chickens that are coming home to roost and uh, right now. And, and it's not just about the decisions they've made this season. It's about everything that's led up to it. It's about the fact that he's had, you know, three offensive coordinators and four offensive line coaches and, you know, all this turmoil on the offense, all this turmoil on the coaching staff constantly. Mm. Um, it's about that somehow these players are finding themselves not wanting to play for him anymore. And, you know, like Minkah Fitzpatrick deciding that he's had enough of this shit. Um you know, it, it's not only it makes that, it's you coaches. wonder. It's coaches. Yeah, coaches it, too. Coaches too. It, it makes me wonder also about uh you know, Jim Caldwell was here and three days later, mm-hmm. I, I guess he met with Brian Flores. He talked to him for the first time and he just said, uh no, I don't want to I don't want to work for this guy. <laughs> I want you know Yeah, I mean? I mean it's it's right. And uh, I, I don't know what it is. I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna speculate, but um you know, all of that has led into this and it's sort of like, well, now we're stuck in this really fucked up thing where it's like, is more turnover really the answer? Mm-hmm. And, and then you're like, yeah, but I don't want George Godsey and Eric Stedsville and, and, and Charlie Fry being this, this strange three headed uh, OC thing next year. I mean, just <laughs> shoot me in the head if that's happening. And, and so you're just like, is turn more turnover really the answer? And yet we do need turnover. <laughs> um, and, and so, so you're just like damned if you do and damned if you don't. And, and that, you know, you just look squarely at that man right there and say, this is your fault. This is your fault. You know, yeah. um, and, and I think and that he, gets you fired. Yeah. And uh, as far as the way forward, maybe uh, Ross likes Flores. And maybe the way forward is, you know, because I always found it strange that Marvin Marvin Allen was going to take this job, which was essentially kind of a demotion, but he was mm-hmm. getting like more money. So he, it seemed, oh, it always seemed to me like he was getting paid for a future job, as if he was being told, you know, in a few years you're going to have the GM job. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does stay on. That Greer gets kicked up to some type of meaningless job in the in the in the front office as maybe who knows what vp or whatever vp in charge of of hot dogs or or the soda stand whatever and then marvin allen gets the gm job and stephen ross has a real heart to heart with steve with uh brian flores and tells him look you're gonna have to cede some some of this control on the offensive side of the football because it's just not working. What you're doing is not working and you're going to have to stick with something. And maybe it's Godsey. Maybe it's somebody else out there. Maybe it's a strong personality that they bring in to be, to essentially be the offensive football, you know, the offensive czar on this team. Mm. And maybe that's the way forward with Brian. Well, that's, Ford. that's what that's, this is totally in Steven Ross's wheelhouse. Right. 
um, he can't, he can't help himself, but here, here we go again. We're going to, we're going to fire the GM and bring on an, an, another GM who has to make a decision about whether the holdover head coach is actually going to be his head coach and whether they can, they can get on again. Uh, we've got a defensive minded head coach who now is going to have to see, um, away his power on the offensive side of the ball and and do with a a hiring of a quote unquote a head coach of the offense you know this is this is the steve ross way and it just strikes me as it strikes me as more of the same bullshit and um and so i you know i'm i'm a little bit wary of all that to be honest. Um, so I, and no, I don't know the way out. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm a little bit wary of that. And, um, and so, you know, I don't know, I don't know what, I, I know one thing, the front office can't, can't, you know, they can't evaluate offensive linemen to save, uh, to save their, their ass. I mean, they're, they're at every level of the personnel um, process they have shown that i mean listen i'm a financial analyst and you know we we evaluate a lot of you know a lot of a lot of number stuff and um quant and stuff like i i recognize a random walk when i see one but um you know every level of the personnel uh of the personnel uh management of offensive linemen has shown just complete random zero information value um, and anything that they're that they're doing, they sign the wrong guys, they cut the wrong guys, they trade for the wrong guys, and they trade away the wrong guys. They mm-hmm. pay too much for guys, and then cut and turn around and cut them when they still could have helped, even though they weren't worth the money that they or the resources that they put in for them. Um, they draft the wrong people. They move them to the wrong positions. They, I mean, that it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's completely maddening um, and defies belief, but they, they have, it's almost, I'd almost accuse them of being the Costanza, um, you know, because they, they just make the exact wrong decision. And it's not even random. It's just, it's, it's the George Costanza. Um, Yeah. So I I know that. And so I, I just, you know, whatever you do in the front office, I would just, the one thing I would say is somebody else is making these decisions on the offensive line. And it's somebody who is a specialist. And, um, and I don't think there's enough of that in NFL personnel. Simon and I were, were talking about this on uh, discord, the other on OnlyFans the other day, we're just like, it, it is actually embarrassing the way that NFL personnel offices have their, um, their personnel departments structured. Yeah. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's legacy. It's legacy backward legacy systems, um, that are kept in place because, because everything is so insular and because, um, you know, there's, it's a very good old boys network. So it's not, it's not really as much competition as, as people think, um, you know, it's, it's a lot more about the, who, you know, than, than what you're good at. And so they keep, they, they keep the system structured the way they are. Uh, I'm, 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 we're, I'm, I work on a, on an asset management team. We're bottom up stock pickers and, you know, stock picking is, is not that different really from player picking. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and putting together portfolios of assets that uh, that that um, function with each other and um, I you know agree. play certain uh, play certain roles. I mean, it's 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 really it's really not that it's really not that different from putting together portfolio other portfolios like yeah, a portfolio a chart, of players yeah a, a stock chart is like looking at player performance over like I mean, well yeah i mean years. so so mm-hmm. it's an, it's not all that different but the point of point of this is to say that if i walked into my um my team tomorrow morning and i said listen you know i'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to the, to my healthcare guy i'm gonna say you know what i want you to i want you to pick stocks from all industries not just healthcare but only stocks that are headquartered in the Pacific Northwest. You know, I, I would be laughed out of the room. Like that would be a Chris told a fine joke this morning, journal entry, um, you know, and, and it's like, this is, this is the way, but this is the way that NFL personnel departments structure. They want everybody to be a specialist on every single position um, they organize things regionally and by amateur versus pro, um, they have three layers of at least three layers of hierarchy in, in between, you know, the scouts and the final decision. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable and embarrassing. Yeah. Not only frankly. that, but they have, they have the regional scouts and then each regional scout has a little group of scouts under them under them right and then mm-hmm. uh when this new regime came in remember we were uh we talked about it back then i believe we talked about it on the podcast and we said they're reorganizing the scouting staff when i hear reorganization you know what i think i think oh people are getting fucked they're, they're getting fired around here right if at your job Chris, have you heard, hey, we're reorganizing around here? What would you think? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'd start, I'd you start you, polishing up the resume. Yeah. You know, when you, whenever you hear the, the that word, we're reorganizing. Okay. It's, uh, there's something bad happening. Okay. Soon people are getting fired. No, not here. Not here. Uh, we're reorganizing the scouting staff. I'm like, whoa, who's getting fired? All they did was move guys from the Southeast region, from the SEC to the Pac 12. They moved one guy who had the Midwest and they moved him to Southwest. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are you just rearranging everybody by region? Mm-hmm. So, like, does that make any sense whatsoever? Like, maybe, you know, maybe dig into their evaluations. And I don't know. This is maybe, you know, maybe this is too revolutionary of, of you know, thinking, right? But well, is maybe it so look, re- into really? the, look into their evaluations and the guys with, with a, a bad track record fire them. <laughs> well there's that but i mean is it really so revolutionary to be to be like you know hey listen you're on offensive linemen like you know and and therefore i want you to be watching tape of a pro offensive linemen and amateur offensive linemen past and present um to really become an expert in that field uh, you know, so that, and, and, and the, these decisions are going to, these decisions and these evaluations are going to run through you. Um, and yeah, you can, you, you can organize it to have like a main guy and his assistants so that they're learning under, you want to have that, you want to have the, um, continuation. Um, but you know, is it really so insane? Like, like that, 
Hey, this guy is, this guy is really, uh, really good with quarterbacks. Hey, this guy is really good with DBs. Um, mm. You know, it's just, it, they're asking everybody to be experts on every single fucking position in one area of the country. <laughs> and it's, uh, and then, and then that guy is going to have three other layers of film watchers you know yeah on top of him making and how did the guy and how do these completely unclear who thinks what about who yeah and and how do these guys get their reputation as well right mm-hmm. uh you know not to call anybody out by name but hey you know he's a he's a regional scout lenny lenny mcgill for the the miami dolphins uh he's a regional scout you guessed it pac 12 yeah, we've had some history at the Pac-12, right? There was a certain quarterback at Oregon, right? Oregon's in the mm-hmm. Pac-12, right, Chris? <laughs> Oregon, I believe, is in the Pac-12, yes. Okay, uh, is uh, is USC in the Pac-12? We have history with both schools. In this yeah, last we do season. have a history with the USC, don't we? <laughs> okay, all right. So who's responsible for, I don't know, Justin Herbert's evaluation, Austin Jackson's evaluation? But isn't that the bitch of it? You don't know. You know, you don't know because there are three or four layers in between him and the decision-making. So every single person in the organization basically gets to say, no, that wasn't me. (laughs) Yeah. Except for, except for, except for the, you know, the buck is supposed to stop at the GM. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, and that's, and and that'll, that's only helpful in deciding who to fire. Great. I, we, I hear the stories <laughs> all the time, and and then uh, like uh, I, I my favorite story is the Haha Clinton Dick story. Okay, every there was uh, supposedly scouting staff was was you know you know bitching mad that they didn't take Haha Clinton Dix, and then uh, Chris Greer had told people no, he was high on my board. You know, he's a good player. I'm like, but you didn't take him. Like you passed on him. Now you got to explain like why is it that everybody's putting out stories. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I really, I really like that guy. And then the general manager tells everybody, Oh, he was high on the, he was high on our board. He was, he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you didn't take him. You passed on him. So how is it that everybody likes him, but nobody took him? <laughs> yep. I don't understand that at all. And we get those stories all the time. Oh yeah. That guy's a great player. Oh really? Yeah. Uh, I liked him too. Uh, so everybody, so let me get this straight. Everybody here likes that player. Okay, why everybody is he in Miami Dolphins? Everybody wanted him, but somebody else turned in the gra- draft card. It's not our fault. Yeah, and the, we don't, we the don't draft card who. has somebody else's name on it. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Who's operating want. a phone? I don't know. Is there video of it? I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. my favorite was that wide receiver class, Devontae Parker's wide receiver class. How that card got turned in, uh, that must have been that must have been a shit show, Okay. Because maybe maybe they were trying to put out you know so many smoke screens, but if you remember the story back then, uh, everybody was trying to put their board together, and everybody's no, Amari Cooper's the best player. Amari mm-hmm. Cooper's the best player of the group of those wide receivers. And then somebody was like, "No, nah, Kevin White is like really really physical. Like he's going to become great. Okay, he's going to be a really good player." And then it was no, no, the Dolphin scouting staff. They even brought in his father, uh, Brett Perriman Senior. Because Brashard Perriman is going to be a star in this league. He's, he's a big-time athlete. Then they met with him. And then they, uh, there were stories written, if you remember. Barry Jackson even wrote a story. Oh, the Miami Connection. 
His father played at the University of Miami. His father played for the Dolphins for two years. He's worked out down here. And then when they trapped, they drafted Devontae Parker. No, he was number one on our board. <laughs> yep. Well, how do the, all those other stories get to the papers? How? Just, just well, everybody was the best receiver on your board. Everybody. And I'm not, you know, there are other teams in the NFL that are that are organized poorly, but you know, the, we're we're looking at very poor results from the Dolphins right now, and very poor practices. You wonder about, so um, yeah, you know, hey, that's that's the way it goes. Yeah, you know what's funny? Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are run like a mom and pop uh, operation. Like that's a complete clown show. They're damn good. You know why? Because Dak Prescott, uh, C.D. Lamb, they've gotten it right mm. with a few players, and the team's good. You know, mm-hmm. so sometimes you just get lucky, even even though you have a complete clown show on your hand. The Cincinnati you know I mean? Bengals are better than us. That is unbelievable. I watched the Cincinnati Bengals smoke. Uh, who were they playing yesterday? They were playing the the Detroit Lions. They they were they murdered the Detroit Lions yesterday. They looked like a competent football team. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. were down three touchdowns. They were down what was it? Uh, twenty one to seven to Jacksonville. You know what they did? They stormed back and they won twenty four twenty one. Kicked the field goal. You know, so they manage to win games. Yeah. Now we're a disaster. We may have all this organization, but we're a disaster. The rest of the season is just about looking at Tua Tungvalu and seeing if he develops. That's it. I don't think you want to. I don't think there's yeah. anything else, right? Well, you know, as, as some people have told me uh, after the game, they said, well, at least the rest of my Sundays are freed up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it. There is no more. This is a long ass show you just got. Okay. Which means we're cutting from the yeah. Wednesday show because what was it really Wednesday? worth it? Was it really worth it though, Alf? Well, we got to vent. It was like a, <laughs> it was like a, yeah, it was a therapy session. All right. It's a therapy it was, session. I agree. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, there's not many times that this team pisses me off, but on Sunday, I looked at, I, I just, I got the giggle, you know, like the, the angry giggle. Have you ever gotten the angry giggle, uh, Chris? I, I wasn't doing much of anything by the end of that game. I was staring <laughs> blankly, <laughs> staring at the television screen, and I like in a complete state of you know of a catatonic state. That's all. <laughs> well, Lavisca and I caught that pass, and mm-hmm. they go, "No, they called the timeout." I called. I don't know, these motherfuckers I just lost. <laughs> I didn't react a single bit. I I probably didn't even move an inch. Yeah, uh, I just. What, when it looked like they were headed to overtime, I had I had visions of 400 yards passing and three touchdown passes dancing in, in my head for for Tua Tungvaloa. As soon as LaVisca Chanel caught that pass, I said to not myself, even not even anything idiot, in my head was dancing or moving. This idiot that they signed well, was that has not hit a field goal all season. Remember? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Remember? You know, of course the, oh, yeah. the announce the announcers had to tell us. You know, uh, oh no, this guy has never made a hasn't made a field goal yet as a pro. Really. And he hasn't made a field goal this season. Of course, he hits a 55-yarder, then he hits a 54-yarder to win it. Phenomenal. You know, it, which is just awesome, you know. But at least it's Can't not wait. as good as it's not as good as my favorite moment from, from Sunday, which I explained to you in a in a text. Uh, did you see that that uh Dak Prescott score a touchdown and the referees say, I don't see a touchdown. No, I didn't. Which I begged the question. It. Which begged the question. I pretended question. that NFL football didn't exist for the rest of the day, Alf. <laughs> which begs the question: If you score a touchdown, like let's say you just catch the ball and you run into the end zone, and the referee just stares at you, 
and acts as if you didn't score a touchdown, is it a touchdown? If a tree falls in the woods. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, I explained it to Simon, and Simon was like, yeah, I saw that. Like, I didn't understand it. Uh, Dak Prescott uh, ran a quarterback sneak on third down and clearly is in the end zone. And the referees run in, you know, like when they run in, like to put their hands up. All the Cowboy players are telling them, all right, put your hands up. It's a touchdown. They start pulling bodies, and at the bottom of the pile is Dak Prescott. His entire body is in the end zone, and he has the football with him. And they don't call a touchdown. Which begs the question, how the hell did he get into the end zone <laughs> if, he, if it's not a touchdown, right? But uh, such is life in the NFL. All right, that's it. There is no more. You got almost goddamn, let me see, an hour and 30 minutes. That's a long-ass show. Enjoy it because you're going to get less on Wednesday. All right. Take next it. week off. Take next week. Don't, don't bother watching the Dolphins. I'm, I'm <laughs> yes. just kidding. I'm you just know, kidding. Uh, we'll do it anyway, but. Yeah, we'll do but it. Am I though? Because... Am I though? Am I kidding? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. On Wednesday, the, the preview could be Matt Ryan, also a free agent. Is he? Uh, is he ch- a challenge for Tua in the offseason? Maybe we talk about. I'm gonna that preview. I'm gonna preview my weekend plans, and they're not gonna include watching the Dolphins. <laughs> I might. That's our preview. Thing. That's our preview episode. All right, that's it. There is no more. We will talk to you on Wednesday. Maybe. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.